Hey guys, it is Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Congratulations for you folks for that's when graduating, either from high school or from college or grad school or law school or medical school. Well, you know what? They'll be looking for a job soon. If they're looking for a job, they got to look the part. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. they got a great, great line of clothing for your younger folks. And not necessarily something tailor-made, but also something custom-made. A wide variety of shirts, blouses, skirts, towels, you name it. Not towels, exactly. But you know what I'm talking about. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. They'll take care of you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us for the unveiling of this new plan. I'm going to turn things over to our chairman of the board, Paul Perkins. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Indiana Chamber of Commerce Press Conference on Prosperity 2035. I'm Paul Perkins, Chairman of the Indiana Chairman uh, Chamber and President of Amatrol, uh, Jeffersonville-based manufacturer and software developer. While Indiana has built one of the most competitive business climates in the country during the last few decades, the Indiana Chamber firmly believes the state can't rest on its laurels and must strive to do more. We must have the courage to identify our shortcomings and be bold enough to tackle them. And that's the mindset behind the Indiana Chamber's new economic playbook for the state called Indiana Prosperity 2035. As an employer and doing the work that I do in technology education, I'm particularly encouraged by the objectives outlined regarding talent development. In fact, two of the six pillars of the plan are talent related. This new plan is the third iteration of a decades long initiative led by the Indiana Chamber to keep the state moving forward. And it's worth noting that Indiana Prosperity 2035 is more than just an update to a prior plan. It's a new vision with a goal of accelerating the move of Indiana's economy to an even greater height. Achieving the goals in this plan will benefit all Hoosiers, both businesses and citizens alike. The new playbook was developed through 18 months of work with a volunteer task force of 40 researchers, issue and policy experts, business leaders, and coalition partners. The group was led by Larry Gingrich, Executive Managing Director of Genovis and Fishers, who we'll hear from shortly. But first, I'll turn things over to Indiana Chamber President and CEO, Kevin Brenniger, to provide a little historical context on the Chamber's prior two plans and then discuss the key elements of Indiana Prosperity 2035. Kevin? Thank you, Paul, and good morning, everyone. Um, as Paul mentioned, uh, Indiana Prosperity 2035 is our third economic visioning plan. And we started back in the, about the turn of the century when at that time, the state of Indiana had no um, economic plan, no, no playbook, no guides. And we were ranking in the bottom 10 states in many, many important uh, business climate, business tax structure, regulatory structure, um, metrics. And so the Indiana Chamber uh, decided to take on this responsibility and put forth the, the first plan, which was Economic Vision 2010, followed by the current plan that we're finishing up, <clears throat> Indiana Vision 2025. And we've used that uh, as our guideposts and to help drive public policy and drive the, the intense competitiveness that Indiana has achieved over the last 20, uh, 25 years or so. So you might ask the question, why a new plan prior to 2025, which is the end date of our current plan? That's because 
We saw in 2020 this tremendous upheaval in our economy. We saw hospitals flooded with patients. We saw work changing. We saw inflation, other things beginning to happen. And our board of directors and our staff said um, it did not make sense to wait until 2025 to develop a new vision. It was time to pivot right now. And so we began working on the plan that we are uh, releasing today. As was the case with our prior two visioning plans, Indiana Prosperity 2035 will permeate much of our organization's work. Not only will it guide the Indiana Chamber's advocacy, and we will work with policymakers, with the executive branch uh, to move policy towards the goals in this plan, but the program development efforts will also are designed to provide a variety of new goals and opportunities to engage with various stakeholders across the state. This is critical project and we are thankful for the support of our investors who have helped make this happen. We already have research underway funded by these supporters of the Indiana Vision 20, or the uh, Indiana Prosperity 2035 plan. Sorry, I started to state the, the current plan. Um, we have things underway with respect to water, tax, um, school district size, and, and other things coming, economic development. Uh, what I'd like to do now is go through the six policy areas or pillars, as they're called, in the Indiana Prosperity 2035 plan. Uh, within these six pillars, there are 31 goals. And as uh, was the case with the prior two plans, some of the goals are what I call binary. You do or don't uh, get rid of the inheritance tax. You do or don't become a, a right to work state like we did with the current plan. But others are much more aspirational, in fact, more aspirational than perhaps can be attained but they're important to strive towards nevertheless. We have demonstrated that we achieve much more working from a plan with ambitious goals <clears throat> than with no plan at all. So um, let me uh, touch on the first pillar in the 2035 plan. And not surprisingly, it is workforce, building a talent pipeline to meet our workforce needs. And I'll pull out just two of the goals with under, that are underneath this pillar. First, increase to 70% the portion of Hoosiers having earned a high quality credential, certification, and or degree. In the, and, and that Indiana will improve to be in the top half of the states in terms of our ranking on this metric. This is a continuation of a goal that was in our 2025 plan and adopted by our Commission for Higher Education, which was to get to 60% by the year 2025. This says we want to continue that and by 2035, increase that number to 70%. And we've made considerable progress um, on the current goal and we want to take that further. Second goal I'll pull out in this uh, pillar area is to increase the state's workforce participation rate from 63% to 70% with special emphasis among disadvantaged and minority populations. If we can raise our workforce participation rate to 70%, the over 100,000 empty jobs that we have pending currently would be filled. 
To do this, we have to lift up uh, the skills of the folks at the lower end of the education attainment level. It's unacceptable to have 60% of our high school dropouts not in the workforce. Uh, we've got to get them off the sidelines and onto the playing field. The second pillar we highlight, not surprisingly, is K-12 education, building a system that prepares all children for economic success. Two goals I'll emphasize under this pillar, one to increase from 31% to 70%, big, hairy, audacious goal, the students who test proficient, that's just the minimum level needed in, in both math and English language arts, sections of the iLearn test, which is given to our third through eighth graders. Having less than one third of all students statewide in grades three through eight be proficient in math and language arts is simply unacceptable and will not serve us well going into the future where we're in an increasingly talent-driven economy. Second goal I'll highlight is we want more than 90% of students to be proficient in reading from the iRead test by the end of the third grade. That would currently we're at about 80%. That would cut that uh, rate of failure in by at least half by 2035. The third pillar area: uh, economic growth and innovation and entrepreneurship. Two goals under this pillar that I'll point out are one: we, as I said, we've made and Paul said as well, we've made tremendous progress in improving our business climate, our tax climate, our regulatory climate to be one of the best in the country. In fact, recent ranking has us the best state in the country to start a new business. We have to preserve and continue to improve Indiana's competitive business and regulatory environment to make Indiana or keep Indiana one of the best states in the nation to create, locate and grow a business. The second goal I'll highlight under economic growth is significantly increase the number of business startups at a rate in the top third of states and double the number of business startups by minority entrepreneurs. We do rank in the bottom 10 states for new business startups and for the percentage of employees working in companies less than five years old. We need to do more to help our entrepreneurs and we particularly need to do more to help our minority business startups. The next pillar is superior infrastructure and energy. Um, in particular, the goal that I wanna pull out and emphasize that, that we've been working on for some time and will continue is we want 100% of Indiana communities, schools, and business enterprises to have access to reliable high-speed communication connectivity. We have a big opportunity coming forward. The General Assembly has put resources in this area and we have uh, large, large sums of money to invest from the federal infrastructure program, and we need to in invest those very wisely. The second goal within this pillar that I wanna highlight is invest in planning and infrastructure to address fresh and wastewater needs on a state and regional basis to meet current and future needs for economic development. We've seen the struggles that have happened um, in the Boone County area with the LEAP District, um, which was laid out, but uh, perhaps not enough thought given to um, where the water to, for these massive manufacturing and laboratory facilities was going to come from. The fifth pillar, um, and very important, making quality of place strategies a priority. Within that pillar, there are several goals, including 
achieve top 25 status nationally and lead the Midwest in population growth and stabilize population levels in Indiana cities and towns that have fewer than 10,000 residents. Indiana is one of the few states in the Midwest that has seen population growth in recent years, and we need to continue to get our share of that and have people continue to have a net positive uh, inflow into our state. Additionally, uh, we wanna remove barriers and develop incentives to increase affordable housing to meet the needs uh, of a growing and prosperous workforce. We're hearing this more and more from employers that this is one of their biggest external challenges. The General Assembly took a good first step with the um, revolving loan fund for housing infrastructure this past session, but we need to do more. And then the final pillar, uh, but very important, healthy, prosperous communities and citizens. Uh, two goals under this pillar that I'll uh, highlight. One, uh, make certain healthcare costs and ensure quality through patient-directed access and outcomes-based incentives to improve Indiana's ranking. Uh, we have one of the highest healthcare costs in the nation that's been well-documented, and that needs to improve by 2035, if not sooner. And then the second last goal I'll, I'll point out under this sixth pillar is to increase civic engagement by Hoosiers, improve public support and involvement in public-private initiatives, and increase support for public and community institutions. Uh, in the near future, you're gonna be hearing uh, about chamber involvement in three different civic engagement activities um, as we try to promote a, a more civil and productive society. Um, lastly, I mentioned that we have, uh, as we were finalizing this plan earlier this year, we're pleased to report that we've already achieved a few of the 2023, uh, the, the 2035 goals in the 2023 legislative session. For example, uh, the FAFSA filing is now a requirement for high school graduation. Uh, 21st century scholars will now be automatically enrolled. Uh, we have a directive from the General Assembly to the executive branch to put forth an energy plan, and we've expanded IEDC's toolkit. These were all things that are in our 2035 prosperity plan. Uh, a couple of concluding statements, and then I'll turn it over to Larry Gigrich. I wanna leave you with these two thoughts. One, if Indiana excelled in addressing every other goal outlined in this plan, but failed to make significant progress in the workforce and education goals, it's highly doubtful that Indiana's economy will hold its place, let alone accelerate at the rate of improvement needed. That's how crucial workforce and education development are to the state's future success. The competition in this area is fierce, and unfortunately, the data indicate that we're already a lap or two behind. Also, secondly, we intend to release the first, what I would call baseline report card associated with this plan early this fall. This will show where Indiana ranks nationally and all the metrics that are tied directly to the Indiana Prosperity 2035 goals. This will happen on a, probably a, a biennial basis, not very much like we've done with uh, our prior two plans. And now to wrap things up and offer his unique perspective is the 2023 Task Force Chairman, who we were very blessed to have lead this effort. 
Mr. Larry Gigrich, a nationally recognized leader in economic development. Larry. Kevin, thank you. And Paul, thank you as well. It's good to be with everyone this morning. And let me first start by saying it was a absolute honor and pleasure to chair this task force. And I'll, I'll start with probably my number one, um, kind of number one thought, which was the level of engagement and support we had from the 42 members of this task force from day one was incredible. And especially when you think about Indiana and under the chamber's leadership in particular, all the progress we have made in the past 20 years uh, to see private sector, philanthropic, higher education gov and government officials all recognizing that there's a lot more work to do and we need to continue to be aggressive and innovate as we move forward. Uh, for me was was very heartening and exciting about how we move forward. So a, a couple key things that I wanted to share. Um, I think probably one of the things that really struck a note with me as we went through this process and, and Kevin touched on it a little bit as he went through the key pillars of this plan uh, was the ground we've lost in entrepreneurial development and small business formation. Um, it, it has been Indiana, it is so important for us to be successful in this area because we have to grow our own. Indiana is not likely to be a state where we're going to get a lot of headquarters to relocate here. It's just not something that is, is necessarily a perfect fit for us. I mean, yes, we've had some success, but we're not go going to be a very large, uh, have, have a state with a very large metro area that attracts those types of headquarters, at least in for us to grow our entrepreneurial community and our small businesses, because growing our own is where we're gonna be most successful. And 80% of our job creation in our state's going to come from our existing businesses and the small business community and keeping that focus is really, really important for us. Uh, another thing that was really emphasized in this process, and again, a big credit to the Indiana Chamber for this and all of its work over the years, uh, Indiana has developed one of the most competitive business climates in the United States. From a tax and regulatory standpoint, we have a very affordable operating environment. And, and the, the beauty of achieving that, and yes, will there be additional tweaks or adjustments we need to make going forward? Yes, things will come up and the chamber will continue to lead in that area. However, it puts us in a great position to be able to, unlike other states that are not very competitive from a business climate perspective, we can now take dollars and invest those things in really important initiatives that help move our state forward. So things like talent, you know, quality of place, which has been a real focus of investment in our state over the last seven or eight years, that is critically important. Talent and quality of place are linked together very closely. Uh, but as Kevin noted too, things around housing, education investment, infrastructure investment, those things are critical. And as we learned during this task force process, um, the real importance as well of childcare and how that's impacting our workforce. As Kevin noted, our workforce participation rate um, has gone down and you know, certainly COVID had some impact on that, but we have more work to do there as a state. Well, childcare is a barrier for some families, especially females coming into the workforce. And that's something that we definitely need to invest in more as a state. Um, and then the last, last thing I'll note just to open or close my opening comments is 
Um, the economic development success we've had in Indiana um, ha has been significant, again, as you look over the last 20 years. One of the things we have to keep in mind is other states around the United States, let alone countries around the world, are continuing to innovate and make aggressive changes to put themselves in a better position. We cannot afford to be complacent or be stagnant in our efforts from an economic development standpoint and all the things that impact it. So a, a couple things, a couple uh, things I'll note in terms of like where we are today and what it can mean, you know, moving forward. As I mentioned, you know, right now Indiana is in a very good position. In particular, when you look at the Midwest, Indiana and Ohio consistently, whether it's my my peers in the site selection community, corporate decision makers that we work with on projects, they view Indiana and Ohio as the leaders in the Midwest. Again, that's a great place to be, but we also have to recognize, uh, you know, even as I call it in our own neighborhood, we have other states that are being very aggressive. You know, you just go two states away to the south, to a state like Tennessee. Tennessee has had incredible growth. They've continued to innovate from an economic development standpoint, invest in key program areas and improve their business climate. Um, and and mid Tennessee is interesting because it sort of straddles the Midwest or the South, depending on how they're trying to position themselves for economic development. So that's one example um, that really points to the need for us to continue to be aggressive in what we do. And I think the other thing that's in, in really important and this came through in this process as well, is we need to do a better job as a state of making sure our business community, our governments, governmental entities, local and state, and our philanthropic community are fully aligned. That alignment, and you look at places across the country that have been very successful, that alignment has been there. And that's something while we've had it, it you know, different degrees, so to speak, over time. It has not been consistent to have that full alignment there. And that is really, really important for us moving forward. And that point was driven home to the, to the point where some of our philanthropic community leaders, both on the task force and then who were subject matter experts as we went through this process, pointed out that they have the ability to invest dollars in creative initiatives and be the first money in, but they need to make sure they see the private sector and public sector aligned to, to be able to do that. So just in, clo in closing, um, again, Indiana has made tremendous progress over the last 20 years and, and you know, very proud of the chamber and its leadership and helping drive that forward. Uh, the chamber along with other groups have a really important role to play as we move forward. And again, this plan puts Indiana in a position to improve life for its residents and businesses alike as we look out over the next 10 to 15 years and beyond. The key thing is we now need to execute it successfully, put the resources behind it that are necessary to ensure that it is successful and seize this opportunity because others are seizing the opportunity as we look at who we compete with, whether it's in our own backyard in the Midwest, across the US or across the world. And time is critical for us to move and to move aggressively. If we are complacent, we'll fail in the long run. And that is not, that is not an alternative that, that I am willing to accept. And I know the chamber is not willing to accept either. So with that, uh, I'll hand it back over to Rebecca to lead us through the media question and answer session. Thank you.
Thanks, Larry. Thanks, Kevin and Paul. I uh, just wanted to let you know before we open it up for questions, I just put in the meeting chat. The website is live, indianachamber.com slash 2035. And there's also a download link and Dropbox where you can download the plan, the logo, and any of the pillar images like the workforce one we showed earlier that you may want to use in your coverage. Any of you have a question, um, please put it in the chat that you have a question and we'll cue you to go off mute. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.